Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. All right. Turn your Bibles quickly. Acts chapter 26, verse 19. Acts chapter 26, verse 19. This is such a powerful text, and I want you to read it in a resounding way because it is one of those simple but powerful and instructive texts that if it is the testimony of your life, you will hear an echo in the core of your being. All right, Acts chapter 26, verse 19. Everybody read together, one, two, go. Read it loud, I want to go. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Listen, what a privilege to be able to say this and not be lying. To say this with confidence, knowing that God is watching and bearing witness. For you to say, I have not been disobedient to that heavenly vision. Whatever God asks you to do, you've done. Where he asks you to go, you've gone. Every assignment he gave you, you've been faithful. And so you stand before a king with God as witness and say, I have not been disobedient to that heavenly vision. You know, I was thinking back just days ago. The place in the body of Christ that Celebration Church is privileged to have. Listen, a lot of people do not recognize that the devil had a plan to rid the body of Christ of a viable succession plan. Think about it. I am not saying we are, not the, we are the only ones, but there aren't many men of God in their 30s doing ministry at an apostolic level. Not many. And you may not understand what that means. That the fathers, we are almost literally singing, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. There is a transition upon us and, you know, we have not seen a clear succession plan. Even amongst the pastors in their 40s, there aren't as many. And listen, if like every other person, because like I often say, there were many of us who said God called us in university. <laughs> you know, but when you graduate and what the Bible calls the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches dawns on you. you. You know, listen, if like many others, I caved into pressure, you know, traveled out for a master's degree, took a job, I would have still been successful in my own way. Only in heaven would we have known. Think about that. Only in heaven. Only in heaven. And so, it, you know, it begs the question, how many more people could have been doing what we are doing? Maybe not exactly what we are doing, but how many more people has God told to do something and have not been doing it? This man of God spoke confidently, said, I have not been disobedient to that heavenly vision. And so I'm asking you that question. Have you been obedient? The things God asked you to do, have you been obedient? Some of you, God asked you, just like the man beside Moses, you know, to hold Moses' hand up. Some of you, God gave you an instruction, you know, to be a part of what he's doing here, to be a part of the membership, to be a part of the workforce, you know, to serve in any capacity. Have you done it? Well, if you've been doing it, how faithful have you been? 
And for some of you, God has given you an assignment of your own, no matter how small, no matter how great. Maybe it's a prayer drive, an evangelical drive, an intercessory drive. You know, something happened. I was in a season of my life. I was going about preaching, and you know, I am wise enough to know that whatever got you here, you must be consistent at it. And so there was a particular season I discovered I, I just didn't have the, enough time to pray as much as I would want to. Usually I would cancel schedules, but the schedules, you know, were inevitable. You were just staring me in the face. So I called one of our pastors. I said, I want you to please raise a team of people who will be praying for me. And he said, oh, there's a team. They've been doing that since. And I said, what? In fact, I said, no wonder. No wonder. No wonder. So, you see, within this great vision, there are many specific visions where someone can just have a nudge. You know, let's pray about this. Let's pray for these people. Or let's do this. Or, or it could be a personal evangelical drive. Or maybe a ministry of your own. Because make no mistake, God has raised us you know, to stir others to divine obedience to do what he has called them to do. God has made us a prototype ministry. I am here to challenge you. Have you been obedient? I'm sure you thought that this service would be about Celebration Church, but it's about you. It's as much about you as, as it is about Celebration Church. Because there is a principle of spiritual inspiration in the kingdom where everything God does... He uses it as a token of faith for someone else. So think about it. Jesus curses the fig tree. And Peter comes to share the testimony. He's in awe of Jesus and the miracles at work in his life. He didn't, Peter didn't know that that miracle was about him, not just about Jesus. Imagine the shock coming to Jesus to say, the fig tree you cursed is dried from his root. And then Jesus says, verily I say to you, meaning I cast the victory as an example to you. Please, are you getting what I'm saying? By what I did to the victory, I am telling you what you can do to mountains. That if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and you do not doubt in your heart, you shall have what you say. And this is how Jesus teaches. This is, this is the system of education in the kingdom. It is easier done than said. Do you understand what I'm saying? It has a more important impactful experience when you show it. He had told them before, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted out. But when he demonstrates it, then he now tells them, go and move mountains. Please, are you getting this? I am saying this because Celebration Church is a prophetic witness to every one of us you must fulfill God's plan for your life. You must. You must. You can't be a part of this type of vision and not be scared to at least listen to the things that God is telling you to do. To obey God. And there is no more fitting time to remind you. For some of you, that vision you've abandoned, go and pick it up. God has made this ministry a prototype ministry. You know, I've shared this testimony before, you know, of a pastor who just by going through my page, it was an impartation. He saw just by looking at my page what he was meant to be doing. He said he felt the spirit of God, you know, just it was like a baptism. 
something came on him. He began to speak in tongues. He had to call me to say, I know I received something. Something has changed. Because like I've told you a million times, and I'll say a billion times more, when Jesus is walking on water, it's an invitation for you to join him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Have you been obedient to that heavenly vision? One of the things we have emphasized in this ministry, I dare say above anything else, is living a life of purpose. You know, I was there seated when the teenagers were sharing their testimony. And when that young girl, that young teenager from teenage church, talked about purpose, tears dropped down my eye. You know, I'm so envious of people who learn these things early. So envious. And I'm just like, what will their life be like? You know, this morning, Nadia was talking to me. And <laughs> she said, how did she put it now? She said, we are supposed to share the gospel everywhere. And we will tell people that they have a choice between life and death. And we will ask them to choose life. Choose life that they may live. She was preaching. And she said, because people who choose death, when they die, they're going to go to hell. So I was in awe of the clarity. And she was asking me questions about Celebration Church. He said, what was the first branch you, you planted? I said, the Kedja. He said, after then, which one? You know, and we went through all the branches in the exact succession. And she was just excited. You know, when you see a child, listen, I am grateful for what God is doing now. But when I look at those young ones, I think that the prophecy of this ministry will truly be fulfilled in them. They are the ones who are raising. Maybe it's only me. Did you hear how articulate those young ones were? <laughs> Some of us adults can't stand here with, you know, with, conf with the confidence and clarity that those young ones <laughs> The devil is in trouble. <laughs> voila, voila. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want you to say this at least prophetically about yourself. Raise your hand and say, I will not be disobedient to the heavenly vision. Listen, do you realize that the fact that he said I was not disobedient, it means that he could have been. The fact that God has asked you to do something doesn't make it automatic. You have your part to play. You have to agree with God and side with God. Play your part. Hmm. Last rebook camp, I don't know if you remember. I explained why Jesus cursed the victory because a lot of people have wondered. When you're reading the text, the text clearly tells us that it was not the time of the figs. So it's like going to a tree at the time of the year where it is not the season for the fruits to be manifest and being disappointed that you didn't see the fruit. So a lot of people have not understood what kind of temperament did Jesus have. You know, some atheists have even picked on that to say what kind of temperament did Jesus have. The Bible clearly says it wasn't the time of the figs. He went to the fig tree expecting fruit. And when there was no fruit, he cursed it. What kind of anger problem is this? But well, the first thing you need to know is this. That fig trees actually have two different types of fruits. Apart from the major fruits, there is a smaller type 
that actually shows up almost throughout the year, especially when the leaves of the fig tree are green. And so when you see the leaves of a fig tree green, you can expect some fruit, no matter how little. And so it was a picture of deception, and I'm coming somewhere. For Jesus to see the leaves of the fig tree green, and for him to come and see no fruit. And the Bible says he cursed the fig tree. Why? You see, Jesus used metaphors throughout his early ministry. So he used bread, for instance, to talk about the doctrine of the Pharisees. Beware of the leaven. Beware of the bread of the Pharisees. And he also used trees to talk about the establishment of the Pharisaical rule. And that's why he said earlier, he says, every plant, remember, that my heavenly father has not planted shall be rooted up. So that fig tree was supposed to be a prophetic picture of the Pharisees who he said, they have not received the light, but they are hindering others from receiving the light. And he said, that tree is going to dry up. So that was what it was supposed to represent. Do you understand what I'm saying? And why is this relevant to what we're saying? Because I dare say, in our own little way, this is the picture of Celebration Church. And I won't mention in certain terms, but there were some things before God called me. I mean, it gave me a stomach upset when I just saw some things prevalent in the body of Christ. There were, there were teachings I heard and I literally cried. The first time I ever threw things around and hit things in the room, it was a sermon I heard. It got me that angry. And I was almost angry at God. God, how could you allow this? How are you allowing people on the stage say this? Because all kinds of things are happening. <laughs> and I don't want to give examples on purpose. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, I'm raising you to do something about it. He says, plant churches everywhere. He told me that falsehood prevails because people who have the truth are not doing anything anything about it. He told me this. Interestingly, I was in my small room as a student on campus when he told me this. And you know, from a natural standpoint, how do we start? How? I mean, some of the people who were the purveyors of this era, they, they, they are well established. You mean to tell us that the work will grow and, be, and the truth will become so established? He said, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, it's happening. Please, are you listening to me? And why am I telling you this? I am telling you this because you need to understand that in your industry or in your sphere of influence, there are things that are thriving because you are not active. And God is tearing me up to stir you up. You must do something. You must do something. There's a reason you are in that space. There's a reason you are in that industry. You can do something. Evil thrives when good men keep silence. Hallelujah. Come on, I said hallelujah. I want to remind you of your purpose. God has a purpose for your life. And thank God you have a good job, but your job is not your purpose. Your job can be a vehicle for your purpose to find expression, but it's not your purpose. Thank God you have a good car, but that's not your purpose. Your purpose is not to make money, as important as money is. Your purpose is to know Christ and to make him known. How many of you believe that? 
to know Christ and to make him known. And in this service, we're not just here to dance away the time, you know, and to enjoy ourselves. It's a time for reassessment. Where am, am I in the divine scheme of things? How, what part am I playing in what God is doing? When God looks on the earth and is looking at men and women that he can count on, men and women who are pushing the frontiers of the kingdom in, his, in this day and age, will he, will he look for you? Does he know your name? What will he say about you when you see him? These are questions you must answer today. Please, are you listening to me? You see, I want to read something to you. Still talking about purpose because, you see, a lot of us find ourselves in the trap of survival. Unintentionally so. Especially in a nation like this, things are hard. And without planning for it, you can find yourself walking sun up to sun down, not having time for anything else. Listen, I want to tell you, as someone who understands practical realities, but someone who also has the opportunity and privilege to be the one to remind you that there is a call on your life. Don't let your career steal purpose from you. Don't let your career steal purpose from you. Now you are so busy, you don't have time for anything else. It's not of God. You can't continue this way. Listen, I like the fact that the Bible is so balanced. The Bible tells us, I think in Genesis chapter 2 verse 5, that, the, that God planted a garden in the east of Eden and gave it to Adam to till it and to keep it. So it was his responsibility to till the ground and to keep the ground. Let's, let's find a reference for that very quickly. Genesis 2, 15, not 5, 15. It was his responsibility to till it and to keep it. So listen, and this is the reality of many people. That job, it is God who gave you. Just the same way God gave Adam a job. Planted a garden and it was his responsibility to maintain it. God gave you the job. But the same God should be able to come in the cool of the night to fellowship with you. Listen, and his coming should not be an interruption. I mean, if he gave you the job, he should be able to take some time, do you understand, to spend time with you. You can't truly believe that God gave you that job and you dishonor him with it. You must make out time for God. The same God who planted a garden and gave it to Adam will come. And when he comes, Adam must drop what he's doing immediately and attend to God. Fellowship with God. This is the balance of the kingdom. When God blesses you with work, don't idolize the work. That work is not supposed to be a replacement of God. Listen, there must, you must still strive to have quality times of devotion. Don't spite God with the blessing he gave you. Please, are you listening to me? Some of you need what I'm saying. For you to walk so hard, you have no time for nothing else that is meaningful. Your children don't know you. You are a stranger to them. Some of you know when you were growing up, your parents made the same mistake. You were going through valleys of decisions they didn't even know about. You were more exposed than they knew you were. You had had maybe four boyfriends and they, they didn't even know you have had your first boyfriend. 
You have had conversations they thought were beyond your understanding because they were not involved in your life. Some of you will steal things, bring them home. Your parents didn't know because they don't bother to care. They don't bother to check. And all the things you complained about, if you are not careful, you will repeat them. You will repeat them. Now you are so busy. No time to pray. No time for your family. No time for your kids. It's not of God. Listen, it was part of the curse where God said, curse be the ground for your sake. He told Adam that. He says, from your sweat, are you going to get any produce from this soil? It's a curse to work so hard and have no time. Listen, I want you to read what God said. Look at this. Genesis chapter 3. Verse 17b, he says, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Can you say all the days of your life? Meaning it is a curse to work so hard without respite. At 60, you are still working so hard. At 70, you, you no retiring. No retirement. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I know some people work because they don't have the choice. But listen, I'm opening your spirit to the prophetic possibility. It is possible for you to have such a balance in your life where you gather enough to cater for your family and you still have time. That's the will of God. So that God can speak to you. The reason some of you have not even heard God is because you don't have this time to. You don't have the space to. You are so busy, you can't even dream for God. God doesn't even consider you when he's making plans anymore. Something has to change. Something has to change. The kind of work culture where both husband and wife are busy. Both of them pulling from different extremes of the hems of the home. Both of them busy. Both of them always traveling at the same time. Who will look after the kids? It doesn't matter what you gain in this world. If God cannot trust you with children and they grow up with some sanity, with some love, you have failed. The world may call you a success, but you have failed. Please, are you listening to me at all? There is something about the creation story that reveals God's plan for mankind. First and foremost, before natural creation, the Bible says, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And for those of you who follow the order of creation in Genesis 1, you know that the celestial bodies were only created days after. So when he said, let there be light, there was no sun, there was no moon, there were no stars. So what lights then? The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, it says, God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shown in our heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So it means that that light that God spoke about, you know, at the beginning of Genesis 1 was actually the light of the gospel. And in doing so, God was showing us the preeminence of spiritual light before everything natural. Do you understand what I just said? 
So there must be that order in your life. The light of God must be first. The light of salvation must be first. That must be the order of priority in your life. You see, God uses the natural things to highlight his supernatural plans. And that's why right in the creation story, you can see and learn a lot. If the Bible says that on the seventh day, God rested, but you know that God is a spirit, therefore God cannot be tired. Why then did he need rest? It means that the rest was not particularly for God, but for man in God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Man was created on the sixth day, and he woke up on the seventh day. Woke up into God's rests. Woke up into a garden already prepared. Woke up into a world already furnished. And that is the mentality with which man should operate. And so Hebrews chapter 4, explaining the Sabbath, tells us that that Sabbath, that rest, is the rest in Christ. That when we find Christ, we have ceased from all our works. And that doesn't mean that we don't have jobs anymore. That doesn't mean that we don't have career anymore. It means that all those things should be done from a standpoint of rest. They shouldn't define us. Listen, it is good for you to be an excellent student. But when you see the way some people, their whole world crashes when they lose a cause. Someone to take their life. That's an idol. What are you saying to God? That if this academic route does not work, God is out of options? Is that how small God is in your life? Don't make idols of good things. God wants you to walk in his rest. Meaning, in your life, the rest that is in Christ must be at the fore. Please, are you listening to me? So I must have time in spite of my work to highlight and demonstrate the light of Christ to my world. And then even when God said, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and, so, and subdue it and have dominion, there is such a thing as spiritual fruitfulness. Yeah, there are natural blessings. The Bible says God blessed man. But then in Christ, he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. There is a spiritual dominion. And your real purpose is to partner with God for the dominion of his gospel on the earth. That is your purpose. And I'm here to beg you, in spite of everything else you are doing, create that time. That time is important. That time is important. As you get successful, use that money to buy time. You can. When you make money, if you can afford to, Get someone to dry clean your clothes. Get someone to do the things that you can outsource. Outsource it so that you can have time for family, for ministry. Don't just use that money to buy a bigger car, buy a bigger... Use it to buy time. Now you have a job that is paying better. You are still working, going from the mainland to the island to work every day. Because you say house is expensive. But a life devoid of purpose is more expensive. If stretching to get the house closer to work will buy you more time so that you can wake up without pressure, pray, have a proper devotion, go to work, come back to your children. Instead of spending half the day in traffic, it's worth it. Please, are you listening to me? 
Create time for purpose. Create time for God. Please help me preach this to one or two people. It just seems like some of you, you're like looking at me, Lord, uh, Pastor, we came to dance, finish talking together. You will hear what today. Preach it to two people. Create time for God. Create time. Ask someone else for me, do you still have a prayer life? When last did you read your Bible? Revelations 4.11, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power, for you have created all things for your pleasure. Culture lied to us that we are to live for our own pleasure. If you think it's about comfort, living for the pleasure of God. God, how can my life please you? What can I do? What can I do? Days ago, I was thinking back at the people who were there for us, make no mistake. You know, when a vision like this is already so great, we all celebrate equally, even if we didn't work equally. That's true. That's true. But the people who were here, and listen, when, when we are 20 years old, I will say this about you, because you've been here longer. But on a day like this, I cannot but I appreciate the people who were there, you know, when we were just 200, 150 in number, globally. Not long ago, 2018, global attendance, 250, 2018. From 2018 till now that we have more than 11,000 members, you, a lot of work has happened. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm saying this to stir you up. When will you play your part? What part will you play? When God told me to, <laughs> to move to Abuja with my family, church had no money. All that the church could put aside to plant a new work then was 2.5 million. And if you know how much equipments are, you know that <laughs> that's, that's the money for one good keyboard. Where was I going to stay? I didn't know. I know God said go. Went to look for a house. All the responsible places where we could find house, it was too expensive. So I, we said go to Pape. Those of you who know Abuja, know Pape. You know, that's, Pape is the place that Lion King said, that place beyond the shadow, the light, you must never go there. <laughs> it is forbidden. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. You know, in two years of staying there, we were robbed. Not because I'm not anointed. There are some places you go. They, uh -uh. <laughs> they, must, uh -uh, they must come now. <laughs> in that kind of area, decent car and all of they must come. Like, you know. <laughs> but something touched me. You know. I'm just like, God, I'm obeying you. I don't know how my family is going to offend, you know, and all of that. And after the service, I had announced it. I came into the office, and someone came into the office, one of us here. He said, the Lord said to give you this. It's a check. He said, the Lord said to give you this. He said, it is for you, even though I must confess. I use it to buy drum set for church, but, but that was part of it, you know. <laughs> And 
it touched me in no small way. 11 years after, I'm thinking about the times when resources were so scarce. There was a time, every time it was time to pay rent, we would have a meeting in my mom's car <laughs> because there was no office. The people who were sitting in front to turn back, then there were people in the middle, it was in Siena. So what do we do? How, how much can you raise? How much can you raise? You know. You see, any pastor who has been in this ministry long enough, please honor them. Honor them. They've tried. We were selling things, selling items. So what will you sell? I said I will sell my TV. My, you know, people were selling tabs so that you can hear the gospel. And today, I'm glad we're excited, but I'm asking you, what are you going to do for others? What are you going to do for others? What if God is nudging you to also give sacrificially so that we can do more? Because the Lord keeps telling me more, more, more. Now, let me tell you this. <laughs> when the Lord told me this, my heart skipped. But when I, ex when I explain how he explained it, you will see that it is possible. We will plant 50 branches next year. Some of you are like, are like, whoo, but how? You know? <laughs> I have heard from the Lord that I want to speak to you. In a few minutes, I'll be out of here. Look at Matthew chapter 9, from verse 35, as I share the vision for what next. Oh, Lord. Please speak in tongues for just 10 seconds. Just 10 seconds. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, listen. Look at this text. It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in all their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and disease upon the people. Next verse, verse 36. It says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Listen, some of you in reading this don't realize how ironic this is. This is not the, ex the, the reaction you should expect. The Greek word translated compassion means pity. Sympathy. Listen, when you preach and you see a multitude, you should be excited. You should be dancing. But instead, Jesus was sad. He was moved with compassion. What is it about multitude responding to the gospel that makes Jesus sad? I will tell you. Because this is the story of Celebration Church. Every time we go into a new city and in no time the church grows, it reveals an evangelical need in the body of Christ. It reveals an evangelical need. This was the exact scenario when Jesus preached and a multitude came. Because mind you, the people to whom he was preaching were already religious. They were practicing Judaism. There was a Judaical structure. 
with several hundreds of religious leaders, with the Sanhedrins, with the Pharisees, with the Sadducees. But nobody, even despite all their religious rights, nobody was teaching the true message. And make no mistake, like I keep emphasizing, we're not the only ones. But listen, God wants more people. And so every time, listen, think about it. I, I remember how the Ife church started. I went to preach there once, and then some people had planned. So when I was done preaching, they came to the green room, about 15 of them, and they knelt down almost in tears in their eyes. And they said, please plant a church here. And the first thing that struck my heart was that, are there no churches here? Listen, apart from the fact that God has given us our place in the body of Christ, the reality is the excitement of people about what we are doing reveals that there is a problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a problem. So we are grateful for the results, but why is the need so overwhelming? The Bible says, put up that text again. The Bible says it was moved with compassion. It says, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Now, please listen carefully. Did Jesus not call himself the good shepherd? Now, he looks at the people who attend his meetings, and he looks at them as sheep having no shepherd. And this is what he says next in verse 37. Follow closely because this is where you come in. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is truly plenteous. The laborers are full, are few. Listen, this is an insult to all the hundreds of religious leaders who were laboring. If God says the laborers are few, it means you are not laboring. It means it is not recognized. You are working, but you are not working right. And so he says in verse 38, he says, pray the Lord of the harvest. To send out laborers, did he say to get more harvest? What did he say? Into the harvest. It means that even for the harvest, there is still work. Listen, the people that Jesus had compassion for, they were already with Jesus. They were already with Jesus, but there was still work. So, we need more laborers into the harvest. You see... What I am describing is the problem of the mega church system. The fact that some of you have been coming to this church for a long time, we don't know your name. You don't have any friend. You are still anonymous. And now you are struggling all by yourself. You have habits that you have been trying to break unsuccessfully. You are still struggling to have a prayer life. You see, these are the problems. You see, when the church gets so big and there is little accountability. And so, God says, we want more laborers in the harvests. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, we want more people, members of this church, who rise up in favor. And they are able to help people that the pastor cannot reach every day. You know, something happened and it blessed my heart so much. There was a lady. I had been, my wife had been trying to get me to pray for her, you know, and both, both of us had been busy. She had a demon and so she... I mean, she was going through a lot of problems in, in, you know, in her mentality and all of that. And we kept postponing, postponing because I was genuinely busy. The next time I asked, my wife talked to the lady and she said, oh, um, this member of the church cast out the demon from me. You know, oh, that was, she, she has been perfectly fine since then. 
Think about that. You know, it is stories that, like that that make me know I, I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. So before this person could meet pastor, a sister in church descended said, can I pray for you? Come out! And she has been fine. This is, do you understand? This is months ago. This is what we mean by laborers in the harvest. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, in this ministry, you have a ministry. This is the word of the Lord to you. You have a ministry. And the Bible says, he gave some apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know, he says, till we all come. And he says all of that. But then, he now talks about the contribution of everyone else in the harvest. He says that we be no longer children, verse 14, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. You know, this is the, this is the testimony of the average CCI member that you are grounded in doctrine. But it doesn't stop there. It says, verse 15, everybody read verse 15 together, one to go. But speaking the truth in love. Listen, meaning you must, you must begin to teach. You, now you have a teaching ministry. It says, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head. Everybody read verse 16 as loud as you can want to go. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint was. Meaning that when we call you at random and ask you, your contribution to this church in the past one year, besides giving offering and tithes, you should be able to say it. It might be as little as being there for someone who was going through a tough time. Now, you have friends, acquaintances in this church. When they're going through a tough time, they may be pretending to us. They're smiling in church. But you know, what if you went to their house regularly, prayed with them, stood with them until they recovered? That's your ministry within the ministry. God told me, he said, the modern day style of church planting is a human invention where you must need a venue, keyboard, drum set, fancy equipment. Church in those days were held in people's houses. Are you listening to me? And so, this brand of ministry where you need money to serve God, there must be a balance to it. Listen, we will keep having flagship churches and seed churches. I want to introduce to you cell churches. Do you understand? Not cell fellowship, but cell churches. Because when you say fellowship, you know, there's a mentality. You, you down, downgrade the importance. So cell church. Please put your hands together. So what we are going to do is very simple. Especially in regions like Canada, U.S. that are so big. You want us to wait till we have equipment, till we have venue. You know, what if there are small condos? Or worst case scenario, houses that we can use on Sunday. 
Someone leads prayer. The reason they have to lead prayer themselves is so that if there are personal needs, it's, it's going to even be more personal. So you, if you have a personal prayer point, they can lead the prayer point. You know, maybe if there's someone who has a vocal gift, you know, you can lead praise and worship. Then when it is time for the sermon, you tune in. After that, you know, you pray and you, you go into the week. We're starting that next week. Next, next year, I beg your pardon. Hallelujah. And, we, and you know, the funny thing is, sometimes God <laughs> forces people into his will by taking initiative on his own. When he sees the reluctance of Peter, while Peter yet spake, the Holy Ghost fell. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we have already seen this in seed form. The Ireland church, Ireland, Ireland, is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, exactly. That's that what he said. <laughs> no, it's prophecy. We will have churches in places we can't pronounce. You know what happened? They started meeting on their own in a living room. And from, from five, they grew to 10, to 15, to 20. The living room couldn't contain them. And so they rented a cinema on their own and started going there to stream services. And then after a while, they reached out to Pastor Peter of CCI London, say, can you please open an account for us we want to give? And he started giving. And then, so long before we were ready, they started. You, some, sometimes this move of the Spirit pushes us to obedience. And as God lives, God is my witness. It wasn't, it, that wasn't what made me say we're going to do this. God spoke to me differently. And it just dawned on me. That's what happened there. The inaugural service was just last week, but they had been meeting on their own for more than a year. We're going to raise Jesus communities around the world. And you know what that's also going to do? It's going to improve our commitment because now everyone will have work to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't just be in this church. You see, it is when you stuff your head with so much information, you start disturbing Twitter. You, you, when you have more groundwork, you'll be responsible. <laughs> when, you, when there are real souls you are winning and you are praying for, you won't have time. Hallelujah. So here is what we're going to do. And we're going to, please, tell everyone, this is especially for those in diaspora. Those in diaspora. Every place we have seven people, there will be a cell church. There will be a cell church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Can you see what God is about to start? <laughs> ha! And the Lord spoke to me. I said, Holy Ghost, honestly, I'm, I'm open to the possibility of 100. All right? By, by next year. Jesus communities everywhere. So, but for structure's sake, if we can only do 20 effectively, we'll do 20. So anyway, you have the, the, the link. So please, um, let's make sure all the elders are informed, especially people who are pastoring out of the country. 
you know. So we, we, we're going to get like maybe 10 in UK alone. 10 or 20 in America. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Time is fast spent, so we'll just move on. The Lord said to tell you, serve him with your life. Whatever he has asked you to do, do it. Baby steps. Baby steps. At least start afraid. Let it be evident you only started because God said go. Yeah, you are afraid. It's part of obedience. Nevertheless, at your word. That's what it's about. Nevertheless, at your even if all logic and feasibility studies against it starts. Nevertheless, at your word. Even if when it seems like it's a bad idea from your intelligence. Nevertheless, at your word. God is raising an army of obedient people doing his bidding. Expelling darkness in our day. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Say loud amen. Shout glory, glory, glory. Make it louder. Shout glory, 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 glory. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.